Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Thanks for listening to Creative Control. Uh, While I have you here, please consider supporting Youth Empowerment and Support Services, otherwise known as YES. Based in Edmonton, Alberta, YES provides immediate and low-barrier overnight and day shelter, temporary supportive housing, and individualized wraparound supports for young people aged 15 to 24. They work collaboratively within a network of care focused on the prevention of youth homelessness by providing youth with the necessary supports to stabilize their housing, improve their well-being, build life skills, connect with community, and avoid re-entry into homelessness. Learn more about how to donate or otherwise support YES by visiting YESS.org. Hey, this is Trevor from Halifax calling in to say that I support Creative Control on Patreon because I think long-form arts journalism is a crucial part of music culture and there's simply not enough of it out there today. Vish is a master interviewer, he lands great guests, and he has his finger on the pulse of the ever-changing music landscape both here in Canada and abroad. For all of these reasons and many more, I think you should support Creative Control on Patreon too. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. I'm Bisha's wife, and I will love him no matter what you do. And now he has me on the record saying that. My mother told me there's a place If I'm not enough Lisa Conway is a talented composer, multi-instrumentalist, producer, and recording engineer currently based in Guelph, Ontario. Originally from the interior of British Columbia, Conway has been releasing wonderful and alluring solo music under the name Elcon since 2012. Her latest album is a reflective and exploratory one about identity and one's sense of self, featuring sparse and bold pop orchestrations. It's called The Isolator. It arrived into this world on May 10th, 2023 via Ide Fix Records, and it prompted Lisa and I to reconnect for a talk about her working life in Guelph and that city's relationship with its geese, creative instincts, existential anxiety, and embracing vulnerability, self-imposed secret rules, pondering her Swiss heritage and the immigrant experience, utilizing and exploring the Alphorn, piano lessons and parts work, climbing mountains in Switzerland, future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control, which is the primary source of revenue for all of the work that goes in to making this podcast for you each and every week. If you can, please do consider supporting the show at patreon.com slash creative control. Plus, in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee, respectively, in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 774 of Creative Control, featuring the wonderful Elcon with your host, me, Vishkana. Thank you. 
Hi, Lisa. How's it going? Uh, it's going well, Vish. Thanks. How are you? Nice to see you. I'm well. It's nice to see you. It's been uh, a little while. I can't remember if I ran into you on the street the last time I was in Guelph or something. Oh, yeah. We were at a, we were at a little backyard thing. I remember that. Yes. Remember that? I do remember that. And I think you were leaving and I was arriving. So we caught up for about like four minutes or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was nice. Yeah, it was a bit of a... F- frantic trip for me I, uh, it's weird uh, to visit uh, we're going to do it again I think the plan is this summer but it was weird to I miss home you know and so when I'm there I'm like oh yeah I'm home now and then I have to leave almost immediately it's strange mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. yeah so uh, sorry we didn't talk more at the thing uh, how are th- you are in uh, Gu- I, I usually ask where people are but I think I know are you in Guelph I am in Guelph currently yes how are things going in Guelph these days uh, from your perspective? Things are going pretty well in Guelph these days. Um, yeah, I'm working a pretty bananas contract at the university. Oh. And the geese are sitting on their eggs again. Yeah, that's kind of what's up in Guelph. Guelph geese uh, are kind of get becoming notorious for their aggression their rebellious nature, blocking traffic, Mm -hmm. these sorts Mm -hmm. of things, that's still Mm -hmm. the case? It is. I had kind of a traffic uh, situation just a few days ago with a goose, and I was honking the horn and no response. I do kind of admire their, like, confidence in taking up space, but it is hard to get places sometimes. Yeah. Well, I've I've done the same thing, and I just want to say I appreciate you trying to meet them halfway uh, by uh, when you're in your car speaking their language, honking. Mm-hmm. Yes, they'll they'll honk at you, and you'll be like, "What are you saying?" And then you honk back, and they say, "And you're like, oh, I don't even know what I'm saying." And it's a one way conversation. It's it's very strange. Yeah, uh, bananas contract at the university. I don't want to get too much into that, but is it a music related thing or something else? It is. Yes, um, I'm setting up a theater research space and I'm also supporting the digital music program at the University of Guelph. So it's been cool, but it's a position that's never existed before. So it's just been a little bit chaotic and I am very happy that the semester is now and over. Yeah. So uh, I've never heard tell of this. You say it's new, so that explains that. Are you the only person kind of working in that department because it's so new or is it like a small team? Well, I'm working for two departments, the International Institute for Critical Studies and Improvisation, and then also the School of Fine Arts and Music. And then I'm kind of building a team, which has been fun of technicians, uh, Colin Harrington and Emma BV. Yeah, I get to work with some cool people. Names I'm so names I'm really familiar nice. names I'm familiar with, and uh, Emma BV from Bonnie Trash was on the show. Correct. I've been on the show a couple of times for my people who follow the show, so that's cool. That sounds good. Mm. I I I appreciate how resourceful you seem to be. Uh, you seem to get to you make your records, you make your music, you go you do some touring, but then you I feel like maybe you don't feel this way, and maybe I'm misspeaking, but I feel like you always find other things you can do that are interesting uh, beyond the standard making a record and doing a tour. Is that a fair assessment? Am I blowing this out of proportion? No, I mean, I like to push myself and always learn and grow as a person and as an artist and and do multiple things. I think partially why I'm working a full-time contract right now too is like a financial (laughs) reality of not being able to just like make a record and then tour it and have the math work out. So that's also part of why I'm doing a bunch of things all the time is just trying to, uh, yeah, make a living, I guess. Yeah. No, it's like I say, I think it's admirable and I don't know. I don't know. You do it well. Uh, you seem to get, uh, 
Thank you. Uh, brought into projects and things like that. And you'd get to travel the world and, and those sorts of things. And I feel like uh, uh, that's a testament to you. So uh, I just wanted to say, for what it's worth, I admire that about you. I also uh, want to pick up on something you just said about uh, pushing yourself as an artist because, and as a person, I think maybe you were getting at, in the language around this album, beautiful album, The Isolator, I thought I read a quote uh, that was uh, ascribed to you about how this was a, a project or, or a collection of songs where you weren't necessarily pushing yourself uh, constantly to progress all the time. I think maybe you were like, "I what if I just... You know, what if I just sort of uh, trust my instincts a bit more? Sorry, I'm mangling the quote. Is anything I'm saying resonating with you? Did you say something along these lines? I did, yes. Um, I don't remember what the language was exactly either. And yeah, I think on this record, I gave myself permission to lean into at least songwriting instincts um, that were very comfortable for me. And I think... Part of the reason that I did that is because we were experiencing a global pandemic and everything felt really hard. So I guess I just want to say for the record that that didn't mean that the record making process was easy. I think it was partially that in order to make a record at all, I had to just kind of, uh, yeah, allow myself to live in worlds that I like being in instinctually is it this is something that makes sense it does make sense to me is this something you recognized about yourself that you push yourself too hard or were you kind of thinking uh collectively during a pandemic in particular i think things get brought into perspective were you thinking collectively we are too hard on ourselves or were you thinking that mostly about yourself uh i mean i think in terms of this record it was more that in the past, I've kind of made rules for myself about records that just to try to push myself as a writer to kind of move out of my comfort zone. Like with the last EP I did, I made kind of a BPM rule that everything had to be over a certain BPM because uh, my tendency as a writer is to make slow, tender sparse things that's kind of where my happy place is and then on other records like I've made rules about not having any fretted instruments or I've just had like little secret rules for myself and I kind of just threw that out the window this time and just yeah let myself indulge in what I felt like I'd already kind of investigated before on albums and just like really lean into that stuff instead of trying to push myself out of it. Why why do you reckon you gave you used to or maybe you will again? Why do you reckon you like rules for yourself in the creative process? Well, why do you suppose that is? I don't know. I guess maybe it's a way to feel like there's a bit of a structure and a framework and a container <laughs> for a record. I mean, we have so many tools now with technology that it can get a bit overwhelming. So I think maybe these little secret rules that I've made for myself have helped me just not get super overwhelmed about making choices. And it's also a cool challenge too. No, absolutely. It's like a self-imposed challenge. I, I, I gather you're not good at keeping secrets. Is that true? I'm not good at keeping secrets. You just told us all your secrets. You just told us all your secret rules. I'm just saying, maybe you're not good at keeping secrets. If I have thrown a surprise party and you're involved, I'm just saying, I'm not going to tell you because I don't think you're good at keeping. You just told me the whole thing. I'm kidding. I'm just making a joke. (laughs) You made secret rules. So it's like a little, I, what I hear in that is like an inside joke almost like that spirit of like, no one knows that I made myself this little, uh, these parameters, but I, he, 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 I know. <laughs> Sorry, am I reading too much into that? Is Maybe. it like a way to amuse I mean, yourself almost? No, not even. Like I think, I mean... Maybe the word secret, I shouldn't be using the word secret because I don't, I'm not worried about anybody knowing about these rules. Okay. Um, it okay. just is like a compositional structure in a world where there's so many choices that I could make. I don't know. 
Well, lots of artists will say, okay, the last record we made was super synthesized and overdubby. This time we're going to go live off the floor. Those are rules. Mm -hmm. Like those are little guidelines, you know, no overdubs. Maybe someone will say after last time we'd put nothing but overdubs. You know what I'm getting at? So I don't think what you're saying is that unusual in the creative process. So sorry for dwelling on it too much. I I was just trying to have some fun. No, but that's because okay. I think you. I th I, th I think you're also trying to have a little bit of, uh, of fun. Like because when you make a rule um, on the one hand, and maybe I let us down this road, it seems like a a solid parameter that is being imposed on you in some case. That's what a rule generally is. But you're doing it to yourself, so obviously you um can maybe be flexible with some of the rules and and also uh. It's like you said, it's a challenge to yourself. So I just want to clarify. I don't think you're some sort of self-dictator. -dict I don't know how to put it. Um, uh. Yes, I don't think I am either. And <laughs> I do break the rules too. Like I guess a rule that I had on this record is that going in, I didn't want to use any VSTs, but then I broke it. So now, for those for those listening who might not know uh, what what certain acronyms mean, what's a BST? Oh, a VST. I actually, what does it stand for? Virtual. I'm going to look it up right now so I don't say the wrong. It's thing. It's a VST. I even see. I don't even. I didn't even catch what you said. So I don't even know what it is. Sometimes I say that to people when they're talking on the show. I go for the people listening. Can you explain? It's, but really, Lisa, <laughs> it's me. It I don't stands know. for virtual studio technology. I knew that it standed for virtual something technology. It's a plug-in software, so oh. like a a synthesizer that is a plug-in versus like a a synthesizer that is in the analog world. Tangible. Yes. I see. So you made a point of not being well so yeah what does that mean why did you do that why not be i well, why, why make it as tangible and physical as possible i guess well originally i thought that i wanted to not use vsts for some reason on this record but then i did because they sounded fine and i was tired <laughs> and um <laughs> yeah it didn't make sense to replace something that already sounded good I see. Okay. You so know. there you go. You made a rule. I am flexible. And then you're flexible with your own rules. That's all we were getting at there with this uh, little spiel about rules. That's cool. So uh, in applying uh, some sort of new processes here, and again, uh, we the quote, you you managed to, to figure it out, but I was alluding to this quote, not that I wasn't striving towards artistic growth and challenging myself on this record, but I finally gave myself permission to fully live in sound worlds and lean into writing tendencies that are very instinctual and restorative to me. So by doing that on the isolator, what do you learn about yourself, Lisa? What do you learn about your practice? Like, what, what do you take from this experience of approaching things this way? Which, I mean, by what we've just discussed and the way this is framed in the biographical information, you're making a distinction between what you did on this record and maybe what you've done in the past, going forward, what do you take away from the kind of different modes you've uh, employed, and particularly this one? Is it going to teach you something about the next record you make, do you think? Um, Maybe. Maybe it's going to teach me something. I mean, I'm really proud of this record and confident in it in a way that maybe I haven't been on previous records before. So I guess the lesson is leaning into instincts and allowing, yeah, allowing myself to follow those instincts is good. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I think this record really represents accurately what I'm interested in, but um, it also feels like it feels exciting to release it into the world but it also feels a little bit scary because there are things on this record that yeah are very vulnerable and some vocals that I thought I would replace and then didn't I don't know why why did you think you might replace them um because they were kind of supposed to be placeholders but then mm. they kind of yeah, I tried to redo them and I couldn't do a better job. This keeps coming up on the show with guests. They they have a placeholder, a demo, 
And they think they're going to, it's like you say, the, the accurate word is a placeholder. And then when they revisit it or start building the rest of the song, they're like, I think it's good. The, the placeholder has everything. It has the emotion of it. It's instinctual. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think people are landing on, you're not, I guess what I'm saying is you're not the only one who's expressed some of this kind of sentiment to me lately. Like first thought might actually be, if not the best thought, an adequate thought. And that's different. Most people, um, I think in your position will rightfully or wrongfully like really labor over a decision and overthink things sometimes and do things multiple times. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a, a pandemic related thing, a relationship to time. I, I, I'm trying to figure out why this keeps happening. I'm just saying you're not the only one I've heard this from. Um, in that spirit, when did you actually begin making this record? Like literally what year? Um, and maybe as we get into that, I'll ask you, based on that context, maybe what you think inspired some of this. But let's begin there. When did you actually start working on The Isolator? I started working on it in December 2020, I think. And yeah, I wasn't the type of person, or at least I witnessed a lot of my community around me in March 2020, at least according to Instagram and social media, People were like making things all the time and being so productive somehow. I, yeah, was very depressed. I had a lot of things just wiped from my calendar. I was supposed to be going to Germany for a month to write music for a play that was like my biggest commission ever in my career and then supposed to be going to Paris, France to be part of this dance piece. So I I really um, was struggling um, <laughs> to find myself and mm. I kind of thought that maybe my career was over and I think that started leading me towards really a lot of deep self-reflection about identity in a way that I hadn't... Uh, yeah, I hadn't, I'd started to do some of that work in therapy, but not as much. So December 2020, I started chipping away at some material and then it was kind of, yeah, a little bursts of things here and there. I think March 2021, we did the piano at Andy McGoffin's studio in Preston. But this record is kind of amazing to me because it's kind of a bedroom recording um, Mm. in a lot of ways because everybody recorded themselves basically all over. And it sounds unified to me, which kind of feels kind of miraculous that all of these people in different cities recorded themselves and it sounds like one thing. But it definitely was like over time, like a month here and a lot of emailing files basically. Had you worked in this way prior to uh, all of us being forced to work in such ways, like contributing to things remotely, uh, connecting with people primarily virtually? Uh, you know, I feel like some of this, as you may know, uh, Lisa, I mean, I've been doing this particular show you're on for 10 years. And I, when I lived in Guelph, I would often be talking to people who are all over the world, uh, artists and my guests and, and whatnot. And uh, we would figure out ways uh, at the time, I couldn't, you couldn't just say, well, I'll use Zoom. Uh, in my case, it would be, we'll use FaceTime or Skype or so I would just try to figure out a way around the phone. And then now, now everyone is kind of used to this. Um, so I have a weird relationship with this because I've just done so much remote communication, I guess, personally in, in my work. Had you worked this way much as a musician where you might be like, yeah, most of us got together in a room in Toronto or Guelph to capture uh, the sounds. But so-and-so lives in Vancouver or Paris, and so they're going to send me their tracks. Had you done a lot of that before this record? Yeah, I mean, I have a lot for, like, film score work and other commission-based work, or I've sung on a lot of people's records from home, done mix work and stuff. So I, I I did feel like I had a lot of those tools kind of figured out already, and because I was, I guess, able to choose the right collaborators and a lot of the stuff I actually did score out. So I was sending 
the string scores to the string players, even though we did have like meetings about the parts, didn't really feel like we needed to be in the same room together necessarily. Yeah, I think our sense of what a sense of place and time uh, can be has, I think, for a lot of people changed or did for a while anyway. You yourself, we've established you live in Guelph, in Ontario, in Canada, uh, but you have uh, sort of a familial or your heritage is Swiss. Is that correct? Yeah, my mom is from Switzerland. Um, she immigrated uh, in her late 20s to Canada. Yeah. And on my dad's side, it's Irish. Yeah. But, and and, uh, and I not, think- not, not, not as close, I guess, um, in terms of generations. I see. And I think we established on one of the earliest times you were on this show that you are actually, uh, you came up in British Columbia. Isn't that right? Small town British Columbia? Yes, I grew up in the northern interior of British Columbia. I, I my postal address was Talqua, um, but I grew up in like a small farming community called Quick, which is half an hour outside of a place called Smithers. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, right, right. Very mountainous area, just like Switzerland. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there is actually a, an Alporn uh, player statue on the main street of Smithers. Right. Funnily enough. So, again, in terms of your, I, I, I'm sorry to hear you were struggling with uh, notions of identity uh, during this pandemic. I think you're not the only one, but everyone has had to deal with this in different ways. As someone who lives in one place but has these footholds, you know, part of your formation is having these footholds in British Columbia. Sorry, are you, did you ever live in Switzerland or you just know you have a family connection there? I didn't ever live in Switzerland, but like all of my mother's family or on my mom's side, my family, I don't know why I keep saying my mother's, my family (laughs) uh, lives there still. I, I think that's a fair way of putting it. Like my parents are both from India different cities, I don't feel like I'm from there. I mean, some days I do when I'm eating a Indian food and someone else is struggling through it or something. I'm like, no, this is normal. But I, I, the identity stuff that an immigrant or, or the child of immigrants goes through, uh, it, I don't know if you had that. It's It was complicated for me growing up. It sounds to me that in pondering your identity and approaching songwriting here, some of that tension or wonderment about your lineage has kind of popped up. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, absolutely. And it is complicated. Like there's a lot of romanticism and there's also a lot of insecurity, I guess. Existential who am I kind of stuff? Yeah. Who am I? Like, am I deserving of, I think I have insecurity about being a Swiss passport holder and insecurity about like not being Swiss enough. Well, what is? But also is, feel like it's a big, like it's a big part of who I am, and yeah, I feel very connected to my family there, and still, it 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 is a part of me, but there's layers. Can you just home in on why you would feel insecure about this? Like it's a circumstance on some level. Sorry, I want to confess to you that I've wrestled with this sometimes too, but I try not to think about it too much because it's a bit of a weird circumstance. Decisions were made out of your control and mine that we ended up where we ended up. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I've never thought of it as insecurity as much as I've thought about it as sort of cultural confusion. And I don't really dwell on it too much now, but certainly growing up, it was a bit odd uh, to come home, to go to school uh, and, and be among uh, the Canadian folks if you will. That's what my mother calls all white people, by the way, Canadians. Uh, <laughs> but to be around, uh, you know, in this, in my case, you know, pretty uh, culturally and whatever, ethnically diverse uh, school systems, but to come home and it really did feel like kind of a different world. Uh, I felt like a different person. Um, did you have that? Did you have that kind of like dichotomy of uh, experience uh, out in the world versus being at home? I guess a a bit. I mean, for me, it was 
obviously specific with kind of all of my cultural information coming from one parent and not having a relationship with my grandparents on my mom's side. Yeah, like everything is being filtered (laughs) through one person. But I think a lot of my insecurity, I'm still trying to unravel it, Mm. also is connected to language. I'm not super fluent in Swiss German anymore. My mom used to speak to me and I used to be fluent as a as a kid and I still understand a lot, but it's a very specific feeling, I guess, to be in a room with your family and have them speaking another language around you that you know but huh. don't know enough to <laughs> respond fluently back. Yeah. It kind of sounds to me because I was I was I've been reading the lyrics as as well as listening to the record. I was reading the lyrics um, to this record, and I I couldn't tell if you were writing about yourself necessarily. I felt like you maybe were, but it also there seems to be some projection or at least uh, writing about an aspirational self. Maybe I was trying to figure that part out, and then as you're speaking now, and as I ponder what maybe some of the themes on this record are, it seems like you're trying to grapple with the recognition that you might be a different person than you used to be. I mean, as we talk about you trying different things than you usually do uh, as a musician, as an artist, and as you grapple with, well, who am I now versus who was I or who should I be? Was I supposed to be someone I'm not? Do you get where I'm kind of coming from there? Because like, as I say, when I read the lyrics, you seem to be talking about a figure or figures. I can't tell if it's one. And it's some measure of objective admiration, if not scrutiny. Anyway, I'm all over the place and I'm just saying words. Uh, can you can you home in on what I'm saying? Is any of that kind of swimming around on this record? Yeah, yes and no, I guess. I am singing about there is a character and this was kind of the way that this record came to be. In therapy, I was doing parts work. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but you kind of explore a part of yourself and you give it a name and then you have conversations uh, with this part of yourself. And this character emerged called the Isolator, and she is a very stubborn, very independent And I think in my head, Swiss woman who is just like up a mountain doing everything on her own and never asks for help. And I had, yeah, I had a lot of conversations with this character and that's kind of what led to the record emerging because I didn't realize that it was about Switzerland at the beginning, but there were all these parallels between this character and Switzerland as a country And that's what I began to explore, kind of this fierce independence and stubbornness and insisting on doing things your own way uh, mentality. So I I guess maybe the record is more about finding ways to sit in different parts of myself and Hmm. accept what's already there instead of yeah, I'm I'm people are always changing, but I think it's just more leaning into the parts of myself that have always been there rather than accepting a new version of myself. Huh. So the isolator is a part of you, and so on some level you can't help but relate to the isolator. But and maybe subconsciously, consciously do you relate to this character? Uh, that is part of you, if that makes any sense? Or are you like, huh? I guess what I'm getting at is uh, when you identify this part of yourself, some of us, uh, if you identify a weird part of yourself, you might be like, oh, I got better, better fix that part. That's not a good part. Uh, but other parts are like, oh, that's, that seems like the relative. I didn't realize I even had that. That seems relatively healthy and good. How do you relate to the isolator uh, as a just trying to think critically about this part of yourself? Does that make sense? It does. I feel like this is starting into like a therapy tell-all. But um, I guess I recognize tendencies that I have that are reflective of the isolator. And also I do, I think you use the word admiration. There is kind of some admiration 
towards this mountain woman that can do everything on her own. She seems um, strong. She does seem strong. Yeah. But I think where the therapy parts come in, I was encouraged to like thank this person for what she is trying to do for me, uh, but recognize that doing everything independently isn't uh, necessarily sustainable. Um, yeah. And sometimes yeah. you need to ask for help. Listen, so. I didn't mean to make this a therapy tell-all at all. That's however, okay. for However, I will say that often when I'm talking to musicians about things they've written, we do get into that. It's not... Uh, sorry, there's a lot of... Um, pseudo psychology and and uh, armchair therapy that happens on these conversation podcasts now but i always do i think that songwriting is some measure of the conscious and subconscious thoughts of some pretty admirable and interesting people if i were to boil it down to what i find interesting about artistic expression it's like oh someone made something where did that kind of come from? And then as you either they express it themselves, they contextualize a record, a, a piece of art, a book, uh, whatever it is. And but at the same time, it's a conversation. We also get to interpret it. So I didn't I hope I'm not having made you um, or put you on the spot in any way. But I do get the sense that, well, sorry, you framed it this way uh, in terms of it <laughs> emanating from some measure of whatever soul searching, if you will, Um when you finish writing a batch of songs like this, having been through um, therapy, which is a series, what you're describing, at least uh, on one on one level, is that you were asked to engage in certain kinds of exercises. Does songwriting serve as one of these kinds of exercises for you, do you think? I know you probably don't want to think of it that way, but at the end of the working day, when you've written some songs, do you take a breath and think, huh, that might be what's going on? Uh, do you have those feelings as you ponder these songs of like, I kind of maybe got to something about myself via this exercise of songwriting, if that makes sense? Does that does it help you? Yeah, I do think I my songs are a place where I put a lot of vulnerability and I'm learning that I'm not great at talking about or I'm, I'm trying to get better at talking about myself in words, in conversation, uh, in a vulnerable way. But for a long time, the songs were a place for those feelings. And so I, I, I think okay. I learned from them. Yeah. I think I'll probably continue to have revelations about these songs years from now to be like, oh, that's what I was saying. Yeah. Great. <laughs> and you've brought in you've brought in some of your, let's say, your cultural background into the sort of sonic landscape as well of this record. Is that a, is that true? It is. Yeah. Can you maybe expand upon that? Sure. I wrote music for, or I wrote pieces for the Alphorn for the very first time. Super excited about the Alphorn right now. And it was really challenging because um, I still have a lot to learn about the instrument. It's a traditional wooden mountain horn for those who don't know what it is made famous by the ricola ads for those who don't know and and vish vish and for those who don't know what an alphorn is that thank you yes. for helping me because i was like i gathered what it might be but you did you play it yourself i did not i hired someone in vancouver and a, a trio in zurich um to play my pieces that I wrote, and then I ma I made tape loops out of them. Tape, you made tape loops out of the recordings. Okay, is yes. the Alphorn traditionally used for a particular purpose in terms of any kind of? I don't know. For some reason, I couldn't help but think like, oh, it's to herd an animal or herd a kind of thing. Am I is that am I taking this the wrong way? What is it? Is it just a? It's just an instrument. It's not. It doesn't have like a <laughs> utilitarian purpose. The Alphorn. I think the origin of the instrument was rooted in communication between mountain villages. Oh. And now it's mostly used in a musical context, but there's a lot of very traditional melodies, um, calling cows. Yeah. 
that comes into play, I think. I, oh, I um, was kind of stretching there. It is. It, so you, no, it's a communi- you're right. It's, oh, okay, interesting. Calling cows. Mm-hmm. And it's a communication device. I don't expect you to know all of this, and I could probably Google it myself, but what kinds of things were people trying to communicate by sounding the Alphorn however far they could, I guess? What what, what would, you, would it be? Warnings? Would it be... Some sort of yeah, like some sort of alert or what were you what what a storm is coming? What 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 could it be? I think so. I'm still early in my Alphorn scholarship, so um <laughs> I don't know exactly. I'm <laughs> meeting with a player next week who knows a lot of this stuff. Huh. But I think it was probably a lot of warning based communication rather than just saying, Hey, it's fascinating. That's fascinating, uh, to be honest, that you are using a kind of traditional instrument from your culture, uh, and it's about communicating something. I don't know much more than that at this point, uh, but in a time of isolation, sorry, no pun intended, uh, the fact that your record begins and ends with these sounds uh, suggests you are trying to convey something and connect something, uh, or sorry, connect with people. Uh, is that too facile a reading of why you would choose to do this at this point in your life do you think yeah i think that's a nice additional bonus to um what i think my choice was pretty selfish in the moment or maybe selfish is the wrong word i just really wanted to connect with my swiss roots in a way that felt exciting to me and I think the Alphorn in particular is presented in a very traditional context usually, and I find tape loops in particular very meditative, Mm. and I haven't found, I hope that someone reaches out to me after this interview, but I have not found anyone else doing Alphorn tape loops yet in the world. So that was also very exciting that it seems like uncharted waters yeah um and kind of a way of connecting with a very traditional thing uh in yeah on my own terms it it sounds wonderful uh it's a it's a bold way to begin the record if i might say uh it feels like you really have to pay attention to the rest of what's gonna come because you've got this sounding horn no it's great uh in terms of other collaborators and the 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 soundscape otherwise can you identify things that you view as particular distinctions for you? Your voice is front and center uh, in many aspects. Some of the instrumentation is pretty stark. Otherwise, uh, other in other cases, it's more fleshed out. And I, I see, I can tell that you've worked with lots of different people here. Um, how would you characterize the, we've talked about the Alphorn, but how would you characterize the kind of feel and sound and collaborative, uh, collaborators even, I guess, uh, in terms of making this record? Can you um, talk a little bit about maybe what you were going for in terms of I don't know, a feel here. You mentioned earlier your penchant for certain, uh, or what was the rule? BPM? Take you out of your comfort zone and uh, these sorts of things. This is a pretty eclectic record in in some regards. Did you have a vision for what it was going to sound like when you first started or has some of this happened organically and, and via your collaborators? I guess a lot of it was organic. I was taking piano lessons for the very first time in preparation for composing music for this play. So that definitely informed things starting on the Wurlitzer, actually, because we don't have a piano in our apartment. But we do have a Wurlitzer. So I was writing a lot of the material on the Wurlitzer at the beginning and in the lessons that I had with uh, Thomas Hamerton, who is a great musician in Guelph. He was really encouraging me to do things that felt good for my anxiety and something that was really seemed to be exciting to me and still is was sequences and kind of polyrhythms. So patterns of three over four or patterns of five over four, which um, are in a couple of the tracks Mm -hmm. like Heimat Dort is a three over four and Big Pile of Nothing is a five over four. So repeating sequences on the Wurlitzer was kind of the foundation. I've always loved strings. I was a violin player in the past. That was was my first instrument. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that's where that kind of came in, I guess. And it's 
definitely a lot more orchestral than I thought. And I think I'm, I've just always been excited about blending acoustic organic sounds with synthesizers and synthesized sounds and making them all exist in the same world. Yeah. You decided to take piano lessons because I think you said you had a commission for a film. Is that yes. what you said? Yeah. For a play. Oh, for a play. I'm sorry. Uh, I missed mm-hmm. that. I apologize. Uh, so you had a That's commission okay. to do a play, but you had played piano prior to taking the lessons? Like you, you knew how to play, so to speak. Is that right? Not really. Like, no. okay. I mean, I guess I knew I learned where middle C was. Um, and new, yeah, I think people have gotten the impression that I'm better at the piano than I actually am. I'm pretty mediocre. Oh. I'm not great. People beyond me? I mean, physically, yeah, I think so. I think people (laughs) think when, when people think that someone gets a music degree, I think they assume that you have to take piano lessons, and I did take very basic ones in my undergrad, but, Hmm. um... At that point, I barely knew how to read bass clef. So, I see. Um, my, yeah. Can I? So, you're commissioned to play piano for the play? Did they specifically ask you to play piano? They did not. No, 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 no. Oh, oh um, I see. Okay. I was just commissioned to write the, the score, and a lot of it was not piano based. I think I just thought that it would. I've always thought that it would strengthen um, my compositional mm. practice to be better at the piano, but I think I was honestly just a bit embarrassed about taking lessons at this stage because <laughs> I would reveal how, that I didn't know how to like play a scale with the correct fingering or, yeah. Well, you got Tom Hammerton. Tom's like the nicest guy, so well, he's not going to be judgy. Who's who's who? Why should you feel self? He's going to help you. He sounds like it. Sounds like you said he did. He did. Yes. No, it was yeah. a great experience. Yeah. I guess I'm just explaining why it took me so long to <laughs> take a lesson. Um, did it open? Uh, it's just a slight tangent because my son has been taking piano lessons for a long time and uh, they are currently 11 and they've been taking them for, I don't know, five, six years or something. Every once in a while they want out, but then I pull them back in to be like, well, you've already started and it might be handy later. And frankly, between you and me, I don't know if Levon's going to hear this. I think there's very few things that they engage with that are memory strengthening and coordination sort of exercises in their life, uh, their lives these days. So I thought all of it would be beneficial on some level of just like the sort of music math of it. But uh, I have said that I thought maybe incorrectly that because I didn't have this as a kid. The piano is a kind of foundational musical instrument. Are you saying, I'm trying to get at what you're saying. Like, that's a perception of it. Having taken the lessons, uh, do you see how learning about the piano specifically might benefit you and your other uh, musical instrumentation or as a a composer? Uh, Did that sort of help? Please tell me it did because otherwise I've lied to my son. Yeah, no, it definitely has. And I think I've known that it's a very good tool for theory all along and I wish I didn't have a piano in my house growing up someone offered to teach me violin lessons for free so that's what happened uh but uh yeah I would be a different composer if I had taken lessons and a lot of things would probably be faster for me to do yeah but here we are it sounds to me like on at the end uh, you know here we are it's 2023 it sounds like you had a really up and down sort of time uh, since this pandemic started. But it also, I will say, I don't know if you can be objective about it. For me, it's heartening to hear that you tried to push yourself to do different things and learn different skills and make a, the most of this time as possible. Whether that is the therapy, whether that's the music lessons, whether that's trying different things. Like I know it's been difficult and People like you and me have a certain amount of privilege uh, in this sort of circumstance, but could you objectively say that ultimately you've been able to make something positive happen out of all this bizarre shit? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, I mean, it's, yeah, it's hard to know what would have happened 
had the pandemic not happened, but it did allow space for this record to come into being, and I am thankful for that. Definitely. That's the main the main thing for you is the record. I just mean, I appreciate what you're saying. We don't know, but I think the pandemic did pause things and then make. I think you're a lot of us were like when it first sort of started and there was that brief period of like, okay, we we can't, we don't know what to do. I don't know about you, but there was a certain amount of optimism as well as like, maybe we can finally reset. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is a place where we can all kind of become better and, mm-hmm. and interact with the world and, and treat the world better kind of thing and each other better. It hasn't really panned out that way, I would say. No. Because there's so much <laughs> tension in the world and it's more fractured now, actually. Uh-huh. But there was that brief like few weeks of galvanization and uh yeah sorry maybe maybe it's actually more depressing now sorry i thought i was taking us down a positive road there but how are you feeling are you feeling any better <laughs> you feeling like better personally on some level I, <laughs> this is turned into such a like therapy check-in yeah i think so no no it's okay i yeah. am yeah. i i think that depression and anxiety will always be a part of my life but I'm finding tools to manage these things and um, currently feeling optimistic and mm. looking forward to some stuff. So Good. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> and I'm, uh, again, I just want to uh, both apologize and uh, for uh, invoking uh, anything that you didn't want to talk about. I feel like uh, some of this is apparent on the record and I appreciate this time. I hope uh, you're not feeling put upon is all I wanted to say. No, no, not at all. I am. Yeah, I think it's hard for me to figure out where I was kind of nervous, a little nervous talking about this record because it is very vulnerable and personal and it's kind of hard to avoid that. Um, But yeah, I think being vulnerable is okay. It is. Yeah. I'm just saying I, I appreciate that there are some narrative qualities uh, within these songs, like it, it feels like you're writing about objective people, but hearing your insights about where maybe where where these characters, it's it's just interesting to even talk about them as characters or a character when I now know it's a part of you. So it's a character, <laughs> but it's also a bit of you. And I, to be honest, that's kind of what I I think I said it before you even said it. I picked up on that, and I think it's evident for those who spend time with the lyrics that this is potentially both. Um, an autobiographical record, but also one of, yeah, sort of like an aspirational character, I guess. I've already covered this ground, but I just, I, I think that's fascinating. I, I just want to say I appreciate that you are uh, seem to be in a healthy place with it. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. For sharing and thank you for making this record. Um, I know you've got, uh, as we're speaking, a plane to catch today. So this is mm-hmm. maybe a nice segue into asking what your future plans are. Um, sure. And Anything else you want to talk about um, in terms of where people can learn more about you and this uh, wonderful new record? So, uh, Lisa, can you talk a little bit about that, future plans and where people can learn more about them and and you? Yes. Well, I guess my website, elconofficial.com, has things. Uh, Ide Fix is the label putting out this record. That's where you can pre-order the record. I have a couple shows coming up two in May, May 25th in Toronto and May 26th in Guelph with more to come. In a few hours, I'm getting on a plane to Zurich uh, to go up a mountain to make a music video Wow! <laughs> um, at a monastery, uh, which is going to be, I think, an adventure. It's, there's more, there's, there's more snow than I thought. There are webcams on top of a lot of Swiss mountains, and I've been obsessively checking the webcam, and the snow is not melting as quickly as I thought it would. So expect a video of me maybe looking cold up a mountain, but hopefully looking cool. Is this a naive or dumb question? Are you going to have to climb the mountain? No, it's it's not a silly question. I... Something that is pretty special about Switzerland is that a lot of nature, like mountains, are accessible with public transit. 
Oh. So my collaborator, who's a filmmaker from Toronto, who's in Europe anyway, we will be staying at this monastery, which is 2,500 meters above sea level, I guess. Whoa. Um, so it's already quite high. It's a mountain pass and there's mountains all around. Maybe I'll walk up a bit of a mountain, but I think we're already going to be pretty high. Up. Good Lord. Wow. I don't think I'll be doing that much climbing. Uh, and we can get there by bus. So, do you got to like uh, bring oxygen with you or something? How does that work? No oxygen needed, but definitely uh, winter layers, which is huh. taking up a lot of my luggage. Have you been to Zurich before? Yeah. I'm going to, okay. well, th- this place is not in Zurich. It's, uh, it's the Simplon Hospice. It's very close to the Italian border. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, I fly into Zurich, then I take a train to my aunt's house. Uh, wow. She lives outside of Bern, and yeah. That's amazing. Then we that's go up a, this that's, mountain. That's, that's great. Congratulations on that. By the way, the album cover is lovely, too, and I wasn't sure if that was some sort of manipulation for those who can't see it. Hang on, i got to pull it up here. It's uh, You seem to be on some sort of... Is that you? Yeah, that's you. You look lovely there, if I might say. It is me. Are you on a mountain? I am. Like, speaking of aspirational, um, (laughs) I thought maybe I should be up a mountain on this record cover in Switzerland, and I am. I shot it last year when I went uh, over with my mom, and uh, the mountain is called the Stockhorn. You can see it from my aunt's balcony, and it is a mountain that I've gone up several times with my family, and it's very close to, or I guess it's probably like 40 minutes away from where my grandparents are buried. So it's been kind of a significant mountain in my life. Yeah. And we took a gondola up, and I suddenly realized that I was scared of heights, but it didn't translate in the photo. <laughs> And the photographer that I worked with, actually, she was on exchange when I was in high school, and she shot my first uh, album cover as a teenager for my high school band. And yeah, I reached out to her and she (laughs) took this one. I said, I tried to say this earlier and I maybe went on and on. Uh, Lisa, I appreciate that you're a very serious person. You're a serious person (laughs) and you don't fool around. You go right to the mountain. Oh, there's uh, records about Switzerland and the mountains. I'm going to actually go there. Few people would do that in this day and age. It's amazing. And it's a beautiful, beautiful photograph. And uh, it's anyway, I can't wait to see this video. Congratulations. I, I'm just Thank happy you. for you. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy that this record uh, is in my life. I hope more people listen to it. Uh, if people can, uh, uh, sorry, did you, you told people where they can learn more about you. So that's good. Uh, if we can go out on a song. Uh, from the isolator, I wonder if you can choose one for us right now, and also tell us why uh, it came to mind. Right, I forgot about this part. Um, I think I'm going to choose "Big Pile of Nothing," and I just really like this song. I'm really proud of it, and I don't know what else to say. I like the recording. I like, I like it. i like it too and i'm glad you like a song that's on your record it's very very sad um but i really like it and yeah it's a it's a questioning song is that a fair way of i mean literally verses are full of questions is that a way of do you know where that those questions kind of come from so to speak yeah i think basically i was just spiraling so much that I was wondering if I was even a person anymore. Mm. Um, So it comes from a place of deep depression and uh, reflection, but I still really like it and I really like the recording and I feel like maybe it's, yeah, one song that, uh, yeah, it's not like one of the singles, I guess. So I want to let it have a moment. Well, again, I appreciate uh, what you're saying about it, and I appreciate uh, that we're going to play it for people right now. So this is A Big Pile of Nothing by El Khan from the wonderful new record, The Isolator. Alisa, it's always a pleasure to uh, see you and speak with you and, 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 and to hear your new work. So 
I uh, appreciate those things. I appreciate this conversation. I hope you enjoyed at least some aspects of it and uh, that we talk again soon. Best of luck in the future. Thanks, Vish. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. burrowcom slash ACAST.
Very nice to connect with someone in Guelph, my old hometown, which I miss very much. In this case, particularly nice to speak with Lisa Conway. Elcon, thank you, Lisa, for appearing on this, the 774th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One podcast network and is available just about wherever people get their podcasts. If you can't find an episode you're looking for, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, which I'm three months behind on, four four months i'm sorry busy it's a busy time for vish anyway if you want to learn more about those things please visit vishkana.com and like creative control on the facebook you can follow the show on the twitter at vish creative or you can follow me directly on the twitter at vishkana also visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to this uh, donor supported podcast six dollars a month or more grants you access to exclusive content you get episodes earlier than everybody else and some bonus stuff and uh, if you're interested in receiving a creative control t-shirt just message me on patreon and i'll get you one while supplies last but you don't you don't have to start at six dollars you can start at any amount you want it could be higher or lower and you can change it at any time so that's the beauty of the thing it it goes by your uh schedule and ability and uh, feelings of generosity and also feelings of like ah that guy's not that good i'm reducing you can do whatever you want go to patreon.com slash creative control for more information if you feel compelled to do so i want to thank uh, pizza trocadero the bookshelf and planet bean coffee in guelph ontario where lisa conway is uh, living these days and granddad's donuts in hamilton ontario for their in-kind support for this show i want to thank my friend jim guthrie who is also from guelph for letting me uh, use the uh, instrumental version versions of some of his songs uh, to, to, you know, make the show sound cool. You can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org And finally, thank you so much for listening to this episode with uh, Elcon. I hope you'll check out uh, this beautiful new album, The Isolator, and uh, buy Lisa's stuff because uh, sh- she's great. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. I hope you consider subscribing to this podcast or following it and telling your friends all about it and maybe encouraging them to do some of those things maybe one of those at least one of those things if you want to do me a solid convince your, uh, one of your friends to just do one of the things I've described today that would be great otherwise I hope you're well I, I hope you're doing as well as you can be and that uh, you know we, we communicate somehow soon thanks again for listening bye for now sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.